I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Well, hello. Welcome to Jules Says. You can contact me at JulesSays at gmail.com. J-E-W-E-L-S says at gmail.com. If you haven't been scammed, I'm sure you've at least had someone try to scam you in all kinds of ways. Email phishing, phone calls, taking over your Facebook account. I've been getting a lot of phone calls lately from people who just hang up when I don't answer without leaving a message. I do not answer any call if I don't recognize the caller. I just don't. And any caller who calls and doesn't leave a message, they're blocked and reported as spam. Same with texts. I've been getting a few text messages and DMs that will say, Hi, or I'm Emily, with zero context. Does anyone really expect a response to zero context? If I don't know you, I don't know whether you want me to donate to your cause or arrest me or what you want. And I already have multiple warrants outstanding for my arrest, if I'm to believe the messages I've gotten so far. So if someone messages you without context, it's only reasonable to assume the message is spam. But of all the ways a person could scam someone, who says to themselves, I know, I'll run an audiobook racket. First of all, you're not going to get away with it. It's a very public thing. It's up there on a website for you to buy. And even if you did, it's a lot of work for a minimal payout that is many, many months delayed. But let me back up a bit. Some people have told me they like my voice. Of course, that's subjective. I don't like hearing my own voice, but I like doing voice work because it doesn't matter what I look like. I can just show up at the studio in my jeans with my hair pulled back. And let's be honest, my on-camera presence is not exactly in demand. I've done voice training over the years, some in-person, workshops, etc., and some online. One of the outfits I trained with online was called Gravy for the Brain, which is based in the UK. 
and founded by Hugh Edwards and Peter Dixon. I think Catherine may have worked with one or both of them. I'm not sure. But they're very big in the voiceover world and are well-known. But anyway, last year, during the pandemic, I just decided that I needed to make more of an effort on this. If I wanted anything to come of it, I had to put in more effort. So I took some more classes and workshops with a local voiceover casting place, KH Casting, and they also recorded a professional quality commercial demo. I already have an agent, so I thought, why not? Why not try and expand into that? One of the voiceover teachers from KH Casting told me when I did some of the training, she thought I had a good voice for audiobook narration, and I said, well, I would love to narrate audiobooks. I love to read. Why not narrate? I know it takes a lot longer. But how do you get that work? I had no idea. So she directed me to a site, acx.com, and assured me they're legit, so I looked into it. So here's basically how it works. In case you're interested, you can look into it yourself. You can register on ACX to produce audiobooks, which is to narrate audiobooks. Once those books are completed, they're published on iTunes and Amazon and Audible, which sounds promising. And one of the things I like about ACX is they're really pushing to get all books into audiobooks. Obviously, they want to make money. I think a lot of people might learn better by listening or reading along while listening, or maybe they're too busy to sit and read, or maybe they're visually impaired, or their reading skill level isn't optimal. I think all books should be available as audiobooks, and that's kind of what ACX is pushing. And you want a voice that actually has real-life human inflections and breathing behind it. It just sounds weird if not. And I'm interested in a lot of nonfiction subjects, so I would like to actually narrate nonfiction audiobooks. However, if you want to be a narrator, you certainly when you're starting out, you don't have the luxury of going to a studio and having a sound engineer edit and master your audio or a director saying, oh, let's retake that. This could be better. No, no. You have to do all of it yourself. When I told Catherine I was doing this, she said, why would anyone want someone else to narrate their book? But I think it's fair to say that a lot of authors just don't want to and don't have the time and maybe don't have the voice to narrate a book. It's something they'd rather get someone else to do. But if you want to go through ACX and you're just starting out, you have to do all of it yourself. And it's just not cost effective to rent studio space for you to do these books. After all, if the authors or publishers had a huge budget, they would not be posting their books on ACX for narration. They would probably go through a casting process and maybe even cast multiple people to read multiple characters. When you're doing fiction, you have to read all the characters, and I think most authors want you to use a different voice for different characters. So I looked at this and I was, oh, God, no. I knew a little bit. I knew how to edit sound but just a little bit. I had the free software Audacity. As I read the requirements, it just looked so onerous. Of course, there are technical specifications to your files so that the sound quality is good. You have to have a certain noise floor, be within a certain range for RMS levels. You can't have clipping, and I'm a clippy talker. No distracting sounds. So I initially thought, oh, God, no, no, this is not for me. I don't want to do all that. I just want to go into a studio. 
But then I saw a couple of Instagram posts from people who were apparently making some decent money doing audiobooks, so I decided I'd look at it again. And the learning curve was fairly significant. I watched a lot of YouTube videos with a lot of advice on how to do this and that, and I don't really like YouTube videos for this. I'd rather read. That's how I learn better, and it's faster. But a lot of the advice, I think, is geared towards, or a lot of the mastering advice anyway, I got the impression that it was geared toward mastering a male voice. They would talk about EQ levels to improve brightness or resonance. And whenever I tried any of what they were suggesting, I just really couldn't hear a difference. I was eventually able to download and install some very helpful Audacity plugins. One of them was a lifesaver. It actually has ACX checks so that you can just run it on your audio and it'll tell you if you are outside the range of what's acceptable for the ACX technical specifications. So I found that really useful. It took me a very long time to get myself to a point where I could edit and master with some degree of efficiency. Abe also bought me a better mic. I already had a mic. It's a Zoom H4n, which is great if you're not sitting speaking directly into it. I bought that when I took a documentary filmmaking course. The one I had works via USB, but I found there was a lot of noise. If I wanted a decent quality recording, I had to record standalone. Then I had to download the audio files and manipulate them from there. You do need a reasonably decent mic. My home studio is my closet. I have a mat on the hardwood floor and a duvet clamped overhead to dampen the ceiling echo. I was thrilled to get my first offer to produce an audiobook. There are three ways you can be paid. A flat rate per finished hour, royalty share, which is a percentage of the profits, and per finished plus royalty share, which is a combination of the two. So my first book was a per finished hour book, and because I was still learning how to edit and master, I think I might have ended up making about a dollar an hour. It still takes me, by the time I read the book, record, and the recording is never 100% smooth. As I record, I redo mistakes if I catch them in real time, but I don't always catch them. Then I have to listen, edit for pace, re-listen while reading the book to catch errors I missed when I was originally recording, or sometimes I re-record sentences that I just think could sound better. Whereas if I were in a studio with a director, the director would have heard those things and stopped me and I could have done a couple of versions or a correction at that time. So it is quite time consuming. Now my goal is to have to edit and master the original recording as little as possible. So all I do is run it through a declicker, which I don't bother doing for the podcast, and a limiter for clipping. And then I recheck the noise floor RMS and peaks to make sure the files will pass ACX audio quality standards. Then I export as MP3, upload to ACX, blah, 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 blah. All of this takes me, on average, between 8 and 10 hours of effort per finished hour of audiobook. They say on ACX that 6 to 1 is the standard ratio, but I'm definitely not there yet. Anyway, 
All of this learning certainly came in handy when Catherine invited me to contribute a bonus chapter to her audiobook, The Audacity. I was ready. I wrote it, recorded it, edited it, sent it to the publishing company, and maybe they have sound engineers who had to fix it up a bit afterwards, but they didn't send it back to me for any fixes. So having learned how to do all of this myself was a huge bonus. Plus, this was helpful for me to get non-audiobook voice work, which I prefer doing if I can get it. And of course, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast if I hadn't learned all of that stuff. So none of it was in vain. It was all valuable effort. And the ACX site is actually pretty decent overall. Unlike a lot of freelance voiceover sites, you don't have to pay a fee to submit auditions. You can just sign up and do it. And they have a process for you, the producer, narrator, to approve that you've been paid before an audiobook will be published. So, so if the rights holder doesn't pay you, their book won't get published. Now, it's possible that they may not approve it and pay you, and all of that work will still have been for nothing. But, you know, that's a bit of a risk. And they pay you through PayPal, and all of that is quite seamless. It's actually a very good website. My audiobook genre so far seems to be teen novels, which, of course, they're not selling that well, because let's be honest, the teens and preteens are on their screens all the time. But I think maybe an audiobook would be a nice change for them, maybe for a road trip or something soothing at bedtime. I used to read to my girls when they were young and was often surprised as they got older how comforting that was to them. It very often put me to sleep. I was exhausted. I have two series of teen novels. One is the Allura series, which is about smart, resourceful teen girls who time travel and use magic to change the world for the better. And the Hannah and Tamar series is about smart, kind, hardworking, upper-middle-class American sisters who solve mysteries, kind of like Nancy Drew. None of these books are scary or salacious, and I think young preteens might enjoy them or admire the girls who are the heroes of these stories. I tried to read Rosemary's Baby when I was nine, about nine, and it scared the shit out of me for at least a year. At least. I can assure you these books are lovely and light. If you're interested in a promo code for a free Hannah and Tamar audiobook, just email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. Let me know if you want a UK or US promo code for a free copy of the audiobook. I also have promo codes for Germany and France, but the books are in English. Oh, and one book that's not part of a series, it's called Free as a Bird, about a little girl who's been orphaned. I don't have any Alora promo codes, but I could ask the author if he can send me some if you're interested, just letting you know. But Jules, what about the fraud? I'm sorry, that kind of went on for too long. I just wanted to give you the background of how ACX works. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But what about the fraud? Okay, last summer, 2021, I was pretty busy narrating audiobooks. Of course, it still takes me longer than it should. Some of them were nonfiction, which I really like because I am interested in a lot of subjects. And I enjoy doing character voices, but it is extra time and effort. Sometimes a character will appear later on and I have to go back and go, oh, what did that person sound like? And it is just easier to read with my own normal voice. One of the books I was narrating was about lectins, which I'm very interested in because lectins can cause or exacerbate inflammation in people with autoimmune disorders which, if you've heard my last podcast, it was about celiac disease. Catherine, I'm sure you're well aware, has lupus. So two of my three daughters have autoimmune disorders. And this was a very short, informative book about foods that contain lectins and how to minimize the inflammation should you choose to eat those foods. For example, tomatoes are a nightshade, but the inflammatory effects are greatly diminished if the tomato is cooked in a sauce as opposed to eaten raw. Legumes are full of lectins, some more than others, but, and I didn't know this, soaking the legumes prior to cooking reduces the lectins. If you buy canned legumes, they've already been soaked. But I don't buy canned beans. I buy the dried beans and I soak them. And I just thought the reason you did that was to make them softer and cook faster, but it actually does reduce the lectin levels in them. One of the problems with a lot of these low-budget or self-published books is that they often have not been properly copy-edited or proofread. That means I have to spend additional time editing the book so that it's readable. And not just necessarily punctuation. Punctuation is very important when you're reading aloud, and so is spelling or using the right words. And I don't want to read along and then have to stop and think, what the hell was that? And then have to redo it. It's one of the reasons I read the book fully before I sit down to record it. This lectin book was an absolute hot mess. There were passages in this book that I could not even decipher. I'm sure whoever wrote it wasn't completely fluent in the English language. And I get that, fine. But as a narrator, it's really not my job to have to edit the book. But if I'm going to narrate it and I already have it, and I can certainly edit it, I, I went down the path of trying to edit this book. But at one point, I contacted the rights holder through the ACX website, and I diplomatically asked what he meant by a couple of things, such as, you can generally attempt an end-style diet. What the hell is an end-style diet? 
with lectin-rich foods as your essential side effect causing suspect. Huh? One of the other things he talked about was minimal creature-formed wafers. What the fuck is a minimal creature-formed wafer? No idea. Anyway, I asked this guy multiple times. The rights holder did not respond, so I ended up canceling the contract. I'm sure it was a fraud anyway, but even though I canceled it, I had invested quite a bit of time trying to fix the text, and I recorded a 15-minute check. The rights holder has to approve a 15-minute check for pace and timing, etc., before you can proceed with recording the whole manuscript. That's their opportunity to cancel the contract if they change their mind about you. One of the other books I narrated was about parenting. I kind of liked this book, although I didn't agree with all of its content, but whatever, I'm just the narrator, not the author or editor. And that one, thankfully, was fairly short. It only took me about 12 hours of effort, but it was a royalty share deal, so I got zero money for it. And after it was live on Audible... I got an email from ACX telling me that there were fraudulent sales and the numbers would be adjusted accordingly. Fine. It had some good reviews, but when I went in and read the reviews, they didn't even make sense. It was as though the reviewers had not actually even listened to the book or read it. About a month later, I got another email telling me that it was being pulled due to copyright violation. Okay, I thought, what are the odds of that? I was busy working on other books, spending many of my summer days in the hot closet and then in my office editing. So I didn't give it much thought. I just thought, well, that's a fluke. I finished a long one, an academic book about the porn industry, which was quite fascinating, I must say. That one took me about 65 hours of effort. And it was another royalty share project. I decided I would try a few royalty shares because my end goal is to hopefully build some passive income for the future, which hasn't been working out so far. But anyway, 10 days after this one was publicly available for sale on Audible and iTunes, I got an email from ACX telling me that it had been pulled due to copyright violation. So now I'm thinking, what the f fuck? What are the odds of this happening in such a short time with two books? I was in the midst of producing another book and a fourth one still. I hadn't started production because the rights holder had not uploaded the full manuscript or approved the 15-minute check. Then I got emails advising me that both of these books were cancelled due to rights holder violations. So one of them I was in the middle of, I'd spent quite a bit of time. It was another fairly long one. It was fiction, so I had all these voices and everything, which is always extra time. The other one, thankfully, I hadn't put that much effort into because, thankfully, the rights holder had not uploaded the full manuscript. So now I'm finally going, holy shit, this is not uncommon. So I called ACX customer service and got the nicest person on the phone who commiserated with me and told me that since the pandemic, they have seen an increase in these issues and I could try contacting a lawyer, which is ridiculous, and that ACX is only providing a platform to connect rights holders and producers 
and that it is the responsibility of the producer to confirm that the rights holder does in fact have the rights to the manuscript. Well, blow me down. That was the revelation. But let's break this down. I have done all this work through ACX. I have no way of contacting any of these people outside of ACX, and I have no way of knowing who they actually are. Up to this point, I had trusted that the people I was in contact with were who they claimed to be. They could be the authors, but the author doesn't always have the rights to their book. They could be the rights holder, but how do I know who the rights holder is without checking? As for I could try contacting a lawyer, the amount of money here is so ridiculously small that even a single phone call to a lawyer would cost more than I might have earned if the book had not been canceled. Which means the contract on the ACX site is effectively worthless and can't be enforced. The bottom line is that it relies on the honesty and goodwill of both parties. But what I don't understand is how this is even worth the effort. Most of these books are not huge sellers. You don't get paid until the end of the month following the month of purchase. The customer service person told me that he heard of someone who actually produced a full Harry Potter book, which was caught by ACX Quality Control and never made available for sale. But holy shit, the fact that it was on their site for some poor schmuck to invest hours and hours of effort? How could the fake rights holder think that would fly? Now, I'm sure in some cases, because rights ownership can be a bit murky, there could be authors who legitimately do believe that they have the rights to get these books produced. So I went back to the producer's checklist on the website. Nowhere on the producer's checklist does it advise that the narrator needs to confirm rights ownership. Absolutely nowhere. And there's information in the rights holder's checklist, but I wasn't a rights holder, so I hadn't even checked that. I mistakenly believed that if a book was available for audio production, the rights holder must be valid. So I googled rights ownership, and that's when I discovered that it can be such a murky pit that is not always an easy answer. So being the problem solver that I am, and being the process improvement person that I have been in my IT career for years and years and years, I recommended to ACX that they add a step to the producer's checklist to confirm the rights holder does in fact own the rights to the material. My lovely customer service guy said, oh sure, that's a great idea, I'll pass that along. Simple, right? I also suggested that in the welcome email that you get from ACX when you have an offer to produce, it should say, we recommend that you check that the rights holder is in fact the legitimate rights holder. Great idea. Buddy was going to pass all this along. I have no idea if he actually did. But these seem like very simple changes, right? I checked back a few weeks later, assuming by now someone might have updated the checklist. Nothing. I contacted them again via email, and this time I got a lovely woman named Deborah, and I explained that ACX should update their producer checklist to ensure people are not blindsided by this as I was, blah, blah, blah. She responded that ACX does not check copyright. It's not their responsibility. Now, they will check it once a book is available for sale because that is the point at which they could be in deep shit. But up to that point, they don't give a shit. I realize that, Deborah. 
I'm paraphrasing that last bit. Deborah did not say they don't give a shit. That's my words, not Deborah's. My request, though, is to increase awareness so other producers do not waste time producing audiobooks that are fraudulent. I was not aware that this was the producer's responsibility until it happened to me, and I think since ACX does not take responsibility for vetting rights holders, they should at least advise producers accordingly. Deborah responded, Well, we didn't vet you. <sighs> so now I fucking want to punch Deborah, but this is an email, so I can't. Deborah, I, as a producer, am not in a position to defraud anyone. The worst I can do is miss a deadline or deliver poor quality, in which case the only risk to a rights holder is a delay in audiobook sale date because they don't have to approve my work. I am not asking ACX, an Amazon company with outsized financial resources, to change their vetting process. I'm simply asking for this to be added to the producer's checklist. Please understand that this does not affect me, because now I know better. I'm asking for future new producers so they don't waste half their summer in their closets recording fraudulent audiobooks. That exchange was the first week of October 2021. It is now the first week of February 2022, and my simple recommendation has not yet been implemented, and I'm sure it never will be. Now I find this infuriating. If there's a simple solution to a problem, just do it. Just make the change and be done with it. So I thought, well, who are the rights holders of these books? I worked hard on that porn book, and it had been live for 10 days and had sold 15 copies before Audible halted it. I could have made maybe 30 U.S. dollars in those 10 days. So I went to the author's website, and I went to where the book is for sale in print and got the contact information for the publisher. I took screenshots of all the information on ACX, the email messages, congratulations, this is live, all the publication, the artwork, looked up the publisher and the author, and emailed them both. I heard back from the publisher relatively quickly. John didn't believe me. I sent him the screenshots. A couple of months later, the evidence was completely obliterated from the ACX site, except I do still have the offer on file and all my correspondence with the author, and I did save screenshots of the evidence that the book had in fact been live and had sold some copies in 10 days. Now, I have no idea whether the rights holder was actually the author who just made an error thinking she had the rights, or whether it was some scam artist who posed as the rights holder. No idea. But all told, I have had four books cancelled due to rights violations, two after they were available for sale, one as I was about three-quarters the way through, and one as I was waiting for the 15-minute approval. But now I know. Caveat scriptorium. Narrator beware. Thank you for listening. Please share, rate, review. And if you have anything you'd like to share with me, please email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. And sign up for ACX if it's something that interests you. Just make sure you check the rights holder before you do the work. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.